I believe in this team. I am passionate about what the team can be able to accomplish. There is talent there. There is passion behind it. Most importantly, there is this willingness and urge amongst the sales crew members I talk with on a regular basis to learn, to grow, and to evolve. That can't be taught. That's inherent. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. This week's episode features a sales transformation story of a business that went from random acts of enablement to well-oiled enablement machine. The enabler leading the charge will talk us through the journey of his high-growth organization in all detail. This case study will provide a unique insight into the power of sales enablement and should be considered inspiration for organizations that truly want to optimize revenue performance. Please welcome ACI Learning's Global Head of Sales Enablement Services and Revenue Operations, Bill J. Mathias Jr. Bill, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Felix. I'm honored and humbled to be here. Thank you so much for joining. The reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because you guys did some really amazing things around sales enablement at ACI Learning. But before we get started, just to set the scene, please tell us about your professional journey, what you do now, and what ACI Learning does. My journey, probably like most enablement folks, as you hear them on various podcasts or see it on LinkedIn, things like that, is never a straight path. I started out in retail, in consumer banking, and there's an interesting story around 9-11 where I was doing an internship. That was my first foray into emergency change management where we're opening up branches, but we'll save that for another time. About 2004, I got involved in the higher education space, specifically in online learning, and have spent the last 18 years within sort of the higher ed learning, training and development space, 15 of that and continuing on fully remote. So real interesting journey, everything from direct B2C sales to B2B sales to key accounts, operations, so forth, all the way through now what we call enablement. And back then in 2010, we didn't call it that. We called it operations. We called it sales training, things like that. At that time, had the opportunity to develop a six-week intensive training program for over 120 folks across the country. Flash forward to now, I have the honor and privilege to service and support about 85 sales leaders and sales team members globally here in the US, UK, some consultants in Southeast Asia, and get an opportunity to lead enablement and revenue operations here, as you mentioned, at ACI Learning. A little bit about ACI. We are an organization that really supports or targets and delivers lifelong learning, focused on learning outcomes and focused on career readiness in basically three particular areas audit, cybersecurity, and IT. When we think about those, we really think about like certification, preparation, continuing education credits or CPEs, as well as a number of programs that here in the States are essentially ACE approved, which allows and creates the opportunity to potentially carry collegiate credit into degree programs. We serve over 300,000 professionals with learning opportunities over six continents, 170 countries multimodal, so whether it's in-person live, virtual in-person live, on-demand, subscription, cinematic-based. And as far as the learners we serve, these are folks that are either career starters or career launchers, career advancers, helping organizations build benches, 
filling critical open positions with talent, as well as channel and partnership in terms of augmenting some learning portfolios that may be out there. As I think about it, what does that actually look like to everybody else? There's a couple of examples that came to mind in terms of outcomes. One, and recently we shared on, on LinkedIn this, in the last year, ACI Learning actually helped over 2,100 alumni land IT and cybersecurity careers in their field of study, which is quite amazing. IT Pro, which is our subscription-based on-demand platform for delivering high-quality IT skills and training, has about 5,800 hours worth of skills and training available. Claim to fame there is we can take something from recording to actually deliver it on the platform in less than 24 hours. We are the only official video-based training for CompTIA. And then on the Practice Lab side, one of our newest acquisitions, we just launched an essential digital skills program to really help individuals learn the necessary digital skills that are out there with over 47 hours of hands-on learning. We partner with organizations like Skillsoft, Cengage, and things like that. So really exciting time here at ACI Learning. And at the end of the day, full of passionate people about really focused on learners and helping them grow. That's awesome. So it sounds like you guys are going from strength to strength. If you hear about your product coverage and the amount of students that you have on the platform. But if you take a step back and think back to the time where you first joined ACI Learning, uh, where was ACI Learning at and what did sales enablement look like at that time? Yeah, sure. When I joined in January 4th of last year, ACI Learning had just completed essentially its third acquisition. So we grow organically and through acquisition. I was told then by our current COO, Tom, put on my rocket shoes. And I think in many instances, when we look at the field of enablement in particularly, a lot of times enablement gets brought on at a time that might be a little bit further along than when they really might've needed it, right? And you've probably seen it in your own consulting work, right? So a lot of the things that we had to start taking a look at were kind of tactical fixes. Now, in an environment where we are in sort of hyper growth through acquisition and things like that, it's really about which of those fire items are going to make the greatest difference to kind of tackle. So a lot of last year is tactically focused planning for the future. As I shared with our own CEO just the other day, what we were really looking at doing from an enablement standpoint last year was laying sort of the self-leveling concrete so that we can build for the future. And that's really leading where we are. As I mentioned, we grow both organically and through acquisition and we're funded by private equity. So there's an interesting dynamic that happens in that environment. So over the last 18 months, in reality, we integrated four different brands. Not only were we doing that through the acquisition process, we also launched four new subscription models in a cinematic series to top it off. So significant growth here year over year, revenue growth just from 2020 to 2021, around 30 plus percent. It's really interesting dynamic because in this environment, many of the team members are crushing records, right? And it's kind of an interesting spot to be in because when we look at what we need to accomplish in terms of enablement, I have to be keenly aware that we don't want to drive something forward that could have the potential to break something. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we're in. In some organizations, there may be challenges and struggles you're trying to fix. We're trying to figure out how do we take the successes we have and continue to elevate them without disrupting what's currently taking place. So I think that's what's really interesting there. Enterprise-wide for us spans things like consumer, so B2C. It spans enterprise, which is B2B, as well as channel and partnerships. So all those fall underneath my foray of not only enablement, but also revenue operations. When we set out last year, we really went to take a look at 
fundamental basics, set team members or crew members up for success and then not to fail them. And that really allows us to establish confidence so we can continue to build trust and move forward. Yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned the self-settling concrete that you put down as a foundation for your future plans. Like what did that look like? What were some of the key areas that you were considering as being the future of your sales enablement team? So part of that is the fact that, again, when you merge organizations together, language becomes a really interesting thing. Right now we sit with essentially three instances of Salesforce. So how do we get common language across the board? So team members, when they talk about how the sales process is moving, be it from pre-suspect all the way through to your prospect or your opportunities through closed one. So what does that language look like in comparison to buyer journeys, in comparison to the seller journey? And how do we make sure that we're getting some consistency there? That took some time to kind of work through there. And then we can build from that and we can use that as a platform when we look at things like onboarding, training, tech stack type tools. Again, some of the challenges that we face in there is the fact that we run on multi Salesforce platforms, which means we then have multi tech stacks, right? Because each of these are kind of separate entities coming together and you've got the blend of culture. So part of it is also about building the employee experience because ultimately that drives your customer experience. So there's some variations in there. And again, it's not about us changing it. It's about understanding the dynamics of it and being able to evolve that from spot to spot. So there's was some of the things that we worked on gaining better traction with our tech stack partners or turning them from vendors to partners is another area that we've looked at because we are a small team. And just to give you a sense of it, our entire enablement revenue operations team right now is a total of three people, including myself. Well, wow. and so if we are looking towards driving enterprise value, supporting the number of individuals that we do and rapidly scale, I really charged the team with going out and initially last year kind of being professionally annoying to maximize the investments we made. And this year is kind of doubling down and saying, let's put a challenge out to the individuals that we work with. I really look for those that are going to be partners that are proactive, supportive, want to understand our business, help us drive it so that we can leverage greater insight and knowledge base that's happening there. Awesome. In terms of the challenges that you came across, what were some of the challenges that you didn't expect to come across that you had to deal with? And how did you tackle those challenges along the way? Yeah, I think going in, I anticipated that there will be challenges. We grow through acquisition. And so that's going to be a natural component there. Part of it is understanding the customers that we serve, right? So if I take a step back, yes, we have customers that our sales crew members interact with. But theoretically, we have 275 now internal customers and we have different identities and we have different cultures from the organizations. And so working through that to blend that together is a really important aspect. When we look at training materials that we have, how could we get some short wins and help team members progress forward? How do we get them thinking about the customer first, ensuring that we're still driving the metrics? And so what we needed to do is to start out from a maturity matrix standpoint and say, in reality, where are we or where were we at the time? And we were on the, in many aspects on the random side, which you would anticipate coming in. And so we saw some lofty aspirational goals, looking at the Miller Hyman sort of little quick test, if you will. And we set some aspirational goals that really said, we want to be able to move everything from random and at least cross the line into more of that informal organized space. And maybe we'll get about 10% into scalable. Now, did we reach scalable? No, but in reality, I started out in January. We hired a member of my team in May. 
theoretically a team of two we had working together in harmony really for six, seven months out of the last year. So to make that move is significant. But I think it starts with building trust, building the relationships and the interactions there. And as far as working with my colleagues, Alexis and Julie, it is letting them know that I trust in them 150%. I have their back. That trust is there. I have to earn it from them. But that allows us to go out and to work with the other leaders in the organization to learn what are their priorities, what are they trying to do, come back and figure out what makes the most sense within sort of fire items and directives to drive forward. Yeah. What really strikes me about your journey is that your stakeholder environment is incredibly complex. Your global organization or operating globally, and you also had numerous acquisitions. Your team is growing like crazy. How do you manage to maintain those relationships and really create that alignment in such a fragmented stakeholder environment? Yeah, I think one of the things that this organization has done, which was really interesting, and now that I look back, I think it was a smart move for that year, we didn't really release an org chart. Everybody has access to everybody here. And that stems from our CEO, Brett Shively, down. That stems with our COO, Tom Katsanias, down and spans the full ELT team. And I think that's an incredible culture to build where we have this belief in doing well by doing good and the idea that when we do the right things consistently, the revenue will follow. And that's a unique culture, particularly in any organization, then compound that with things such as multiple acquisitions, combine that with private equity funding and things like that. It builds that culture where you can have those conversations. I'm fortunate that I have leadership that is simply amazing and keeps the transparency available, challenges thoughts, wants to try things, wants to be innovative. That's part of how we came about our cinematic series. And the easiest way for me to relate that is it's called Cyber Autopsy. It's an IT series. It reminds me of Unsolved Mysteries in a way where they deep, take deep dives into things. It was somebody's idea. And we said, hey, let's invest in this and see where this goes. And so there is this spirit of innovation and wanting to drive and be a leader in our space and be at the forefront of that. And I think that permeates down. Again, organization with tremendous success. And so we want to continue to elevate that and we want to invest in team members. So we've, we've looked at, for our B2B teams, investing in outside training sources to bring that in, allow that dialogue to foster as we build other things. So it's not necessarily a credit to me. I think it's a credit to the leadership here at the organization. There is this willingness to want to participate, to trust individuals, to encourage them to learn, grow, and evolve. I just happen to be a conduit that hopes to carry that torch forward as we integrate with all the various sales crew that we have here. And that's an onus. I mean, one of the most amazing things that I see here that certainly helps in relationship to that is that we do quarterly engagement surveys, something that our SVP of crew and culture leads, and we do them on a quarterly basis. We review it. We build action plans and we think of how can enablement contribute to moving the needle on this? How does product continue to move on that? And so fully integrated leadership crew here that is talented and remarkable. And again, very passionate about people at the end of the day, passionate about the learners and what we drive. And so for me, it's about internalizing that with the organization. And how do we do that for our sales team members as well? Yeah, that is right. So I want to shift gears here and talk a bit more specific about the things that you guys do around sales enablement. So you guys are obviously a training and professional development business. How do you utilize that skill set to actually train and enable your sales staff? 
Do you use your own platform to train your sales staff as well? We use some of the platforms we have. And so again, year one, we set some very lofty goals. And so we do use some of the learning management platforms that we do have here to move from PDF paper documents into the new world. So Alexis led a large charge on our consumer side to be able to do that. We looked to outsource some of the B2B components in very niche area with a group there called Sales Impact Academy. They've been quite amazing to help our team members grow. And then we've looked at how do we build the engagement within things like MS Teams or amongst the team members to share the learnings, to share the knowledge that's happening. And last year, uh, around September, we launched something called an Enable Nugget, hashtag Enable Nugget, if you will. And it's a way for us to share insight and tips related to sales and what's taking place and to build engagement within our own organization so we can get that peer-to-peer sharing that's happening. So to kind of balance that out. This year, we're looking at enhancing that, right? And so we're looking at full onboarding experience and onboarding for us is not only going to be new hire, it will include those that join through acquisition because I don't anticipate organic and acquisition growth to change by any means. We're also looking at how do we look at product knowledge training this year? And how do we help the team members understand that, but ultimately get to a value matrix there, as well as what does the inner relationship between our products look like to help that dynamic? One of the views there is how do we help our crew not feel that they're selling a product and then have to move to upsell, cross-sell, but rather how does that become more seamless? And I think that's the way that we drive that. We probably will see more training that is more in line with our amazing two-person format video on demand sort of process that we use with all of our subscription models. I'd love to bring some of that in. We're going to be starting a new channel, which folks aren't aware of yet, but we call it our sales enablement rev ops and friends channel. And that's going to provide more clarity in terms of what enablement is going to be doing and probably a little bit of a kind of a show, maybe as an aspirational goal popping out of there. So. We're going to continue to move in that direction. We're also looking at when we look at things, we want to be very data-driven in some of our decisions. Based out of that, do things really need to be training? A lot of times our first inclination is let's move to training, which isn't necessarily the fact all the time. Some of that is behavior-driven, can be very quickly addressed and moved forward. So we'll continue to evolve that. But certainly the way that we position learning out we'll be incorporating in. We have a fantastic in-house product and learning design team. We're going to be partnering more with them on that. And we'll be leveraging, you know, we have eight studios, believe it or not, down in Gainesville, Florida, to enable us to be able to record and turn that around so quickly. We'll be taking a look at things like that as well. So we really want to figure out how do we build a, a real experience around learning. Aspirationally, big hag for me, concept of kind of a sales dojo where can people go to practice skills practice knowledge and is it quite possible that we could get elt folks super pumped to get into sparring sessions with our sales professionals put them in those pressure cooker situations in hopes that they never need to use those skill sets but let's build the muscle memory in relationship to that i gotta thank my eight and a half year old being in karate for inspiring that idea there but we're going to continue to move forward also this year from a vision standpoint It's really about strategy, service, and support through a business partner and data analytics approach. And so where we don't necessarily want to be, and it's fine for many organizations, we won't debate that here, but we don't want to necessarily be order takers. We want to help look at that data, interpret that data, help drive decisions. So we'll be looking at leading indicators as much as the lagging indicators that are out there. 
And we have a number of, again, partners out there that have stepped up to the challenge that we set forth with them to be our partner in really trying to drive enterprise value and rapidly scale. That's awesome. I always have great respect for companies that practice what they preach and actually use their own products for their own benefit. Seems like you guys are spot on there. Yeah, our team members have full access to all of our learning platforms, and we encourage them to do that. Even on my team in particular, I think this year is really important for us to continue to learn, grow, and develop. So I've set some minimum ex learning expectations for our small enablement and revenue operations team. They're super pumped and excited about it, as am I. Hats off to Julie and to Alexis. They do a, an enormous job of wealth of servicing and supporting our sales team members globally. That's awesome. Now, next up, I just briefly want to touch on a topic that will probably set your phone on fire. But what does your sales tech stack look like and where are you looking to invest this year? Yeah, so there's a number of solutions that we use currently. Revenue IO, we use a number of their packages, everything from conversation intelligence to guided selling, along with the dialer. That is one of the first tech stacks that we've really migrated across our multiple Salesforce platforms. And we're continuing to drive in that sector. That's going to give us insight and hopefully help us progress in that front end of funnel component right now of really trying to make sure we're having lots of conversations. And when we have conversations, what are we saying and what can we learn and garner from that? They've been phenomenal in that process. Insight Squared is another one that we're taking a look at, giving us access to slice and dice information and then be able to interpret that, not only from a lagging measure standpoint, but also from a leading measure standpoint. Their service level has been phenomenal. Our educational learning partner for our B2B team members through Sales Impact Academy. That's been an amazing journey for us to be able to support our sales team members, be it new, be it tenured, in their learning journeys there. We also use things like Speckit or Screen Steps, where you can embed either process or nuggets of information, if you will, within various platforms to help individuals access things. I think content management solutions is an area that we'll probably take a look at. Certainly we've had things like document, DocuSign and sharing things along those lines. Rely heavily internally on Microsoft Teams. So there's a number of tech stacks out there. I think for me, what's really important is how could they potentially all function together? So not looking at them as individuals, but as in terms of the goals that we're trying to achieve, how does revenue IOs insight funnel in and how can insight squared take a look at that and kind of merge that together? And then what does that mean overall in relationship to our overall sales process and sales stages to see where are we, what's happening there? And then more importantly, how does that help guide us for the future? In that vision, I think it also coincides with an idea that this year we probably will start to progress from the idea of sales enablement to sales empowerment and from revenue operations to revenue enablement. Revenue enablement is kind of really interesting because it really puts the customer front and center and starts to remove some of the heavy dependency and bonding to process, which can might keep you a little bit tight. So if we need to be nimble, scalable, flexible, does something like that type of thought process help us continue to progress? That's one of the challenges that a lot of companies are dealing with, what you were saying about the integration of the tech stack. I think what you were saying about actually extracting data insights, that sort of mindset is probably the first step. And then in terms of actually doing the integrations and painting a picture in real time of the things that are happening across all of the areas, I think that's the 
ultimate goal and the sales enablement nirvana that a lot of companies are still aiming for and very few achieve actually. Yeah, I was talking with a chief customer officer of eTech, Jim Iorb, the other week, and he had mentioned when it comes to things like various tech stacks and things like that, that there's significant data there, but it comes down to the people, right? And the people looking at it and being able to interpret what's there and see what's there. And most importantly, is it a catalyst for thought and discussion, right? Because that's really where the power comes in. And that was some of the exciting conversations I had this morning with Brooke from Insight Squared as we took a look at some of the, the dashboards we've been working on. Really gaining the insight there and her and I being able to have a dialogue back and forth and being like, oh, well, how does this impact this? And to me, that's incredibly exciting. And in the midst of it, still needing to maintain focus on driving enterprise value and driving the scalability that we need for the team members. And you briefly touched on content management as well. For how long have you been in that role now? Just a little over a year and a month. So pretty much during the pandemic. Yeah. Do you see, compared to previous roles that you've occupied, that content plays a bigger role in actually communicating and engaging buyers throughout the sales process? I think it depends on what stage you are in the sales process in comparison to where that potential customer, be it, is in their own journey. So I think we know that a lot of times before the customer picks up the phone, they're about 70 to 80% of the way through their customer journey. They've talked to people, they've done research, they've done homework, right? So I think content is interesting. I think content that mirrors where somebody is in their process is ultimately what's really important. But I think when it comes down to it, let's say hypothetically, all content disappeared off of the face of the earth, right? Just didn't exist. I think what it comes down to is, are our team members really good at discovery? Can they have those conversations where they're able to meet that suspect, that prospect, that customer where they are, understand and garner that information so that they can partner with them, walk alongside them and kind of do that let me show you what exists out there, right? So content in many instances, I think we have to be cognizant of who's at the forefront and what the goal of that content is. I think it can be extremely beneficial. I've seen in the enablement world, you know, I mean, it is a very share environment. It is probably one of the most share selfless environments and communities to be in. A lot of times content, really, what are we trying to get to? How's that going to help the customer drive forward? As I've had in previous roles, conversations with sales team members, we talk features, benefits, and we talk values. And, and I want to know what's beyond that. What does that mean to that individual at the end of the day? And I think content that can get you there, content that can get people imagining possibilities is something that excites me, something that triggers a thought process for me, can be a catalyst for that. I think that can play a really critical role. So again, I think it depends on the sales process, where you are in the segment. I think it can be increasingly valuable, either small chunks, long form, but that's also going to have to ensure that you understand your customer inside and out, and then you have that customer focus. So you guys have covered so much ground in such a short amount of time. You're saying you're in that role for a little over a year, so I'm really astounded by how much you've been able to achieve within such a short amount of time with a three-person team. What's next for you guys? Like, what does the future hold? Where do you ultimately want to take sales enablement at ACI Learning? Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, I would love to see us move enablement into more of the empowerment space. I would love to see us move revenue operations more into the revenue enablement space. 
I know the team will grow. We do have a, an open spot now, and we're looking to bring and invite in the right folks. This year, I charged our team, similar to my charge last year of putting on Rocket Shoes, but put on Rocket Shoes 2.022. And we're going to continue to drive enterprise value, rapid scalability, focusing on strategy, service support, which is important, but we're going to do that through a business partner and data analytics approach. I think that's really critical. That's taking us from last year and moving us considerably further. There's a number of areas that we need to focus in on product knowledge and things like that. Again, growing through acquisition, we've got a number of areas, making sure that everybody's comfortable with it and how that interrelates. We'll continue to grow. If we stay this size, that's fine. It just means that we need to learn how to leverage the partners that we have and ensure we have the right partners into the mix. I think it'll continue with support and trust from our executive team members and our leaders. Continuing to provide them value is really critical. Where do we go from here? I think nowhere but up. I think tools and resources now, if I look back 15 years when I started fully remote, how we did anything with just PDF scanners and a conference call bridge, I don't know. We have incredible technology. I think where we need to be cautious of from an enablement standpoint is what we do with that technology. Are we using that technology to help us move forward in partnering with it? Or are we really going to look at that technology and say, hey, that technology is going to tell me everything that I need to know? I tend to lean on the side that at the end of the day, the technology is only good, one, as the data that you put into it and what you spit out of it, but more importantly, the people that you have behind it, interpreting it and driving things that are there. So again, I don't think we have anywhere to go, but necessarily up. It's going to be an incredible adventure this year. I think 2022 is going to shape up to be something that's going to be unheard of. As other folks have mentioned, where we challenge folks, they're going to step up to the plate. When given the chance, individuals are going to amaze. I believe in this team. I am passionate about what the team can be able to accomplish. There is talent there. There is passion behind it. Most importantly, there is this willingness and urge amongst the sales crew members I talk with on a regular basis to learn, to grow, and to evolve. That can't be taught. That's inherent. And so we'll be doing more coaching with the leadership team to help them grow in coaching and development. We'll be looking to provide them insights from the data to help their business and drive their business. From a technology standpoint, again, we're looking for those trusted advisors from our partners. We're going to look at things of how do we get more efficiencies out of things? Do we look at things different from a business standpoint? How do we continue to help people grow? And what does that look like? And that's going to require, again, continued cross-functional relationships and engagement between enablement and rev ops, as well as marketing, marketing ops, compliance, crew and culture, IT. Product. I mean, we have to be fully integrated as a team. And I'm happy to say that the last year has been a blast working with folks from each one of those other units within the organization. So we have a leadership team here that is willing to press and lead. But at the end of the day, they know that it's about the people that they have here. And I believe they care for who we are. So it's an upward trajectory for us. I've seen that five-year plan. It's aggressive. If we can do what we need to do, it's quite possible that we can shave months or a year off of that plan. I'm very optimistic on that. Now I know I'm going to be held to that. <laughs> but nonetheless, there's just incredible upside. At the end of the day, we change people's lives. At the end of the day, from a sales perspective, we get an opportunity to impact organizations. We get to ask questions. We get to be curious and inquisitive and help them 
perhaps imagine something that they haven't thought of for themselves before. That is inspiring. Bill, on that note, thank you so much for joining the show today. Uh, I've learned a lot and it's always amazing to get the sort of insight into sales enablement programs that really go strength to strength. So you've probably given a lot of food for thought to our listeners and also potential to replicate some of the things you guys have done. If people want to continue the conversation with you and connect with you online, where can they find you? Yeah, so I made a personal decision that you can find me exclusively on LinkedIn. So that's where you could find me. That's at N W my last name, M-A-T-H-I-A-S Jr. on LinkedIn. You can follow hashtag enable nugget. Started using that lately on LinkedIn or hashtag thought evolution because we're always looking to learn, grow, and evolve. Always. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill.